You're listening to the Claim the Throne Blogcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be a do-it-yourself musician. Songwriting, recording, touring, marketing, music gear, good old-fashioned band banter. It's me, Snake. Well, I'm not Snakes. Claim the Throne is a metal band from Perth, Australia. For more info, head to claimthethrone.com and subscribe to this show in your podcast app. You said something about episode 71. I said you're listening to the Claim Throne Blodgecast episode 71. If your name's Brennan Capriotti, <laughs> you just missed out on our guest, Owen Tommy Thomas. Oh, How are you doing today, Cabba? I'm really good. Did I miss an episode? You did because you were in bed sipping on Barocca <laughs> and I ripped on you pretty hard. Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Glad to hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did have a few too many brews last night and I did forget that we were supposed to be um, catching up this morning until I woke up at 11 o'clock. Oopsie doops. What did you talk about? I'll listen to it. Yeah, you listen to it, but... Honestly, man, it was um, pretty much about guitars and a bit of songwriting yep. stuff. And that was it. And here we are. But yeah, I've just, uh, I think both you and I are on a time budget today. So it'll be a nice short sharpie. Cool. Anything you want to talk about? Yeah. Okay. I bought into the Winter Sun crowdfunding campaign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Been meaning to ask you about that. Four? Rather than against this one? I have no four, but I am for the Winter Sun <laughs> crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, cool. It's uh, it's a weird one. It is a weird one, but um, fuck, Yari seems super enthusiastic about it. He's posting videos every every day, pretty much, and they seem mm. to be very high quality. So I don't know if they've spent like I've had a big budget for this thing, or if um, maybe he's just a yeah, cluey digital media guy. I don't think he's spent that much money, man. Like, because mm. he's done the artwork for it's the artwork. I think he's done the photographs for the last time album. Yep, and so with a digital camera of that quality i think if you set it up and you light the room correctly it wouldn't be that hard to pull off a video that way yeah not so much even the the quality of the video but like the content that they're doing like it's like they've written out a whole timeline of what is going to be recorded every day um like they've just planned it really um strategically it seems like they've used some marketing company for something like that i don't know hmm Interesting. Do you, yeah, I guess when I watch it, I don't, I don't see anything that I don't think my friend Cabba couldn't um, organise, you know? Mm, perhaps. But yeah, anyway, I think it's um, pretty cool. And uh, I guess the first observation is I much prefer crowdfunding when it's done for one project rather than like the ongoing Patreon um, payments. Uh, and I guess with the new Winter Sun album, you're essentially going to pre-order it anyway. Um, so... Yeah, it's no different than a normal pre-order, apart from the items that they've chosen to include in the package. What do you reckon of that? So digital items instead of um, getting a physical CD or vinyl posted to you. So I watched, uh, I missed the first one, but I watched the second two videos mm. and I bought them based on that, the second two videos. Yeah, right. And the reason why is exactly, you hit it on the head, it's for a project. Yeah. So I loved the idea that they were very direct, like, what are they, What was it? Something like 175,000 euro or something crazy? Mm. And they said it's for a studio. Basically, it's for a studio. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? If I had 175,000, which is euro, that's probably what? 250, 230 Australian maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a lot of bloody money. I could honestly, I think they're incorporating possibly purchasing the building. And as Matt Boudreau said on our recent podcast, the successful guys he knows 
with studios are generally the ones who own the premises as well. Yeah, not not relying on um, on the landlord, I guess. Yeah, and and often I see studios when we've recorded in different studios, and um, the ones I see on the net of other bands, like they're massive premises, which would cost let's say a million Australian dollars to actually buy a particular factory and then fit it out like a warehouse building acoustically treat it and then get gear on top but I think what I've learned from home recording is that you don't need a particularly enormous room or anything like that to do anything in that's the that's the ideal and that's what historically it's been with Abbey Road and um, you know Olympic Studios or Air Studios or these big huge studio places or whatever I think you can actually get away with a lot less and Yari's probably got quite a lot of experience recording in rehearsal rooms and mucking around like that. So, man, I reckon if they're going to purchase the premises for like somewhat cheap, they could get a, a quite a small commercial space, convert it and um, yeah, be away or maybe maybe an apartment and convert that. So I think that's pretty cool. And I reckon that if the fans get together and go, you know what? A CD would cost me $30 and I'd get a, a physical product. But if I pay double that, I'm going to get the digital product. I'm going to get a new vision of the previous two albums. Like he's probably worked a bunch before um, this crowdfunding campaign on like retooling those. And a few other little tidbits and stuff like, you know what, I'm happy to pay for two albums. Half of the fans have probably pirated the previous stuff anyway. So it's just a chance to jump in. And if it means Winter Sun albums in the future for, like, he's probably still going to charge money for him, but at least if the content gets out there at a quality that he's happy to release quicker, then I'm all for that. So do you think, I mean, obviously they were successful with the, the goal um, pretty quickly, I think in like a week or something, they've, they've hit the target. Um, so do you think people were jumping on board because they are just gagging for a new Winter Sun album or more so because they're getting behind them and, uh, you know, want to actually see them build their own studio or a bit of both? A <sighs> bit of both. For me, well, I don't know. I think the crowding, crowdfunding campaign comes across like if we have this studio. Like he's very definitive about the reason he's doing it. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame that there was all that back and forth with the nuclear blast, which I've talked about before and said, look, I just don't want to see that. I don't want to hear yeah. the infighting. But... The real reason behind that is that a label may give you money to go to a studio, but then it's a one-time deal. You record, and if you don't like it, then you need more money. So yeah. I think maybe the thing is that it's less about the relationship with Nuclear Blast. It's more about what they want to accomplish in the studio. So yep. hopefully they got it through to the fans, and the fans then support that idea. What do you think? So I, I think um, the only danger with it yeah, especially with crowdfunding, when you make promises like that, when he's saying, you know, once we finally get this studio, then we'll be able to put out a lot more content than we've been able to in the past. I hope that they do, because if they don't, it could sort of get a bit of backlash later down the track. They'll be going, where the fuck are these albums that you said you'd be able to do now? Um, you know, whether it is, turns out that it is a um, a studio issue or whether it's a a band issue but I guess it sounds like they are pumping the songs out and they have been in the past they just haven't released them so I assume it's not not an issue with the songwriting or anything it yeah it seems to just be the the studio issues in which case they should be pumping out a lot more music and in, in which case I'm all for it in that regards um, providing that they do you know so yeah that's an interesting point that 
you talk about um, with it being like a studio thing because the clips, <clears throat> the snippets he's playing of the new stuff sound like pretty clear and pretty big. Mm. And I don't think the general public gives as much of a shit about production as, you know, people like us who are in bands and trying to achieve certain things. Like, I listened to that Forest Seasons thing and I thought if the production is that quality, it's good enough for me. If, yeah, if, totally. If Time 2 is that quality, then give it to me. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of a hard thing to explain, especially when I look at something like that Dave Grohl Sound City documentary, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, Dave Grohl goes and buys a half a million dollar Neve console out of Sound City, puts it in his garage, tracks to tape, says to everyone, we're doing a garage record, but his gar- he's rich and his garage has been converted into a bloody studio space. <laughs> and it ends up coming out at honestly a really similar quality to previous Foo Fighter stuff. Yeah, like mm. maybe it's not quite as glossy and he's, le- like, he's made the edges rough, but... You know, like I don't think anyone really notices the difference between whatever that Foo Fighters album was and the previous one. He made a whole documentary about a console and yeah, I don't know. That sounds pretty interesting. I'd like to check it out. You've never seen Sound City? Nah, but I will. It's on my to-do list. The whole thing is they all go on about the console and how it's such a big deal. But, but then other producers who have worked on that exact console before... I've heard interviews with them and they're saying, you know what, as long as it doesn't really matter what preamp or whatever chain you're recording with, as long as it's captured correctly to begin with, the mixing can happen inside the digital space. So maybe Mm. a console is a bit unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, as well, he's sort of saying, um, you know, that they'd be using it as their rehearsal space and just a, a general Winter Sun headquarters where they can store all their shit and go in, you know, not have jobs and go there in the day. <clears throat> do all their winter sun related stuff in a separate space um but you know doesn't every band want that and so yes. the the conundrum then is does that give them an unfair advantage because you know every band wants that and people can only um choose so many bands that they can afford to support with this sort of thing mm. or does it is it a wake-up call for other bands around the world to do the same thing? And why doesn't every band do this, do their pre-orders this way and all have their own headquarter space? Yeah. Yeah, the word fairness is pretty funny because it was never fair that Papa Roach got signed and um, <laughs> the Brian Jonestown massacre didn't, for example. Mm-hmm. That's a bad example. But okay. anyway. No, not what you're saying. Yeah, look, Winter Sun have proven themselves to write a good album. And to even time one, it was, oh, sorry, we can't release the second half of the album. So this is, you're only getting six songs, but it's a great album. And Mm. I think that's proof enough and that gives the fans faith enough. And the fact that that many fans, including myself, have just, uh, I've just have dove headfirst into the idea of crowdfunding them. I want to hear new stuff from them. And I know that like maybe the rest of my band, for instance, may or may not participate in this kind of hugely expensive, for a digital album these days, um, a hugely expensive pre-order. But I think that my band will benefit from it because we all love Winter Sun and we'll get inspired and blah, blah, blah. And if our music's cool as well, like maybe, yeah, maybe we can go down that road or 
maybe people will just support us in whatever way we choose we would like our fans to be supportive of us in. Mm. I don't know. It's a bit of a weird thing, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting on board with it more so just because I want a copy of the album and that's the only way you can get it. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting that he's made a point of saying it won't be available on Spotify or streaming services. Yeah, yeah. um, Which is a very interesting big move as well, Mm -hmm. ballsy move. And and I mean, once, once it's out and once people do start getting copies of it, yeah, I guess it's just going to be torrented or how people are going to get it if they don't pay for it or, you know, if you're still able to purchase it somehow once the crowdfunding campaign is over. I don't know, there's just a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of uncertainties that will become interesting as it all unfolds, how they handle it all. Mm. Did you get a chance to listen to that Guitar Player podcast magazine? No. Okay. I didn't, but you did tell me about totally it. Totally cool. Um, I did, when we were drunk. Yeah, I did briefly mention it. Um, on the Owen Podge, but there's this guy Pliny from Over East, and he yeah yeah recorded his shit in his bedroom with an Axe FX and blah blah blah. I know Winter Sun have Axe FX stuff as well, and they've probably used it on previous recordings. Don't know, but it sort of strikes me that if you're coming from the ground up and you can get momentum off Bandcamp and you can get people to support you before you're a well-known touring act, which is the case of Polini. I don't know, you think, do you have to go as large as um, a massive hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of this and that campaign? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think every band needs to put that much into it. So maybe, I don't know, as I'm, as I'm talking about this, maybe I'm thinking it's more to do with the fact that they don't have to go to work than to get a studio together. Because, yeah. as I said, Forest Seasons snippets sound great to begin with and and how how have winter sun been able to remix and remaster the earlier albums without any Mm. additional budget as well so they've obviously got the equipment so yeah i don't i don't know it's (laughs) it's very interesting and yeah maybe that's what you're getting at is that yeah other bands might miss out because they've paid their fans have paid 70 bucks australian anyway for for this thing, well, that was one of my um, one of my gripes with the the Patreon model is that yeah, bands will donate you know a dollar a week or whatever it is to to a band that they've signed up for, but they can't do that with every one of their favourite bands, mm. so some are going to miss out. Um, but yeah, I guess they can only buy so many CDs of their favourite bands as well. But mm. I don't know, just when it's a weekly thing, I think that it'd be limited to how many they would actually sign up to but when it's yeah when it's project specific i think it's a bit different yeah and you know essentially a pre-order just a really expensive one that you don't get a physical product from yeah but it'd be pretty cool imagine having your own space where the band can go every day it'd be i guess just a good environment for songwriting and you know keep motivated about your band and everything Mm. it's pretty cool yeah it's like we all do that with work like going there and that's not even fun necessarily it's just it's something we have to do to be able to support our hobbies so yeah it would be pretty interesting to rock up at the office of Glamour Throne and <laughs> yeah you know Jim and Dicey walk in cruise in Jim starts cooking some kangaroo Dicey tells us about <laughs> his latest venereal disease and we just get to work on some new tracks like that would be pretty interesting because yeah. yeah even if we had our own space like let's pretend I converted my house into Clamor Throne headquarters, we'd all still be working a day job and it'd be a total drag 
to come home and try and be creative for like six hours and we'd never ever get time just to be lazy people or you know mow the lawn or whatever it (laughs) is so yeah i do i definitely definitely see the value in it but at the same time I've converted my house, as have you, as has most of the musos that we know, into the best space for creativity that we can do with our resources. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, and this is pretty huge, that everything is available to us. Like, I mean, we did a whole album with our crappy space and it was mixed in my bedroom. Like, yeah, you know, does it, how, how much do we need to put into production? Because production is such a... It's like an esoteric sort of a thing. It's it's intangible, you know, like, I don't know. Because I, I listened mm. to um, it's some music the other day, Rust in Peace, for instance, and it's not like that's the most thumping kick drum sound I've ever heard in my life, but it suits the album and I don't care. And the whole thing is just a cool package. So, I mean, what are we, what are we trying to get out of music mm. production these days? It's yeah. odd. Yeah, it's each to their own, I guess, and... Mm. case by case thing one of the problems is um what if it all becomes too much pressure you're like you're, you're in this place you've got all this money from your fans all around the world you build a building and then you go all right no slacking off like you can't force yourself to write good music you know it might just get a bit pressure and then what if there's falling outs in the band you know they just get sick of seeing each other every fucking day yeah um, true you know and that yeah so then you know if if it happens to all fall through and he just hates it and doesn't want to do it anymore, then you've got all these people around the world that donated towards it being mm. shitty at you. But what if if Yari's like this sort of king of the castle thing and Winter Sun <laughs> falls through? I, well, to me, I think he'd just keep Winter Sun going with a different lineup. Um, yeah. But even if not, what if it was like a Agalock Pelorian situation? Like, I think fans yeah. would still be stoked if they received an album under a different name using the equipment. Mm-hmm. But it's a risk with anyone. Like it's, we're just mm. are viewing it in a different way. Like a, a billion people bought Britney Spears CDs and she lost her fucking mind, you know, like. Yeah, but they didn't pay for her home studio setup. you know. They, yeah, they buy a product, but they're not direct, directly contributing to building a headquarters. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, guess, I guess yeah, not. They are without knowing it. But anyway, we'll keep coming back to that one, I reckon, over the coming mm. months. It's a good um good case study, I think. Yeah. And man, and I'd love to um I'd love to chat to Yari and just ask him stuff <laughs> about this because um yeah, whether I don't know how it's perceived on here, but like I'm a huge fan of Winter Sun and I'm very interested in this whole thing. I'm neither pro nor against crowdfunding. Um, in any, I think in the past we've probably sounded like we definitely are are anti crowdfunding. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And I, I naturally lean that way, but that's historically I've always had to do things off the money I make myself, which which is hard to understand. But at the same time, I I think that if you've if you've earned your stripes and people are willing to support you, then maybe it's not such a bad thing. I, I'm more against the Patreon idea than I am about mm. a crowdfunding for a project. And I think that's a really cool distinction you made at the start that, um, yeah, it's for something. And that's why I got behind it exactly because yeah. I want him to have a studio because I'd love my fans if, if I've got more than just Amos Polglaze and mm. um, Stuart <laughs> McGill, then yeah, like I'd love a studio to be gifted to me as well. 
just because people want to hear what I do. But yeah, I'm one of those people that wants Yari to do what he does best. And the snippets do sound good, so I'm pumped to hear it. Anyway, what else is on the cards? What have you been up to musically? I was just thinking one thing we were talking about the other day on The Piss, as always, (laughs) was um, there's a lot of musicians that just don't do things. There's always an excuse or they hold out just the amount of people that we know who've had musical projects from 10 or more years ago and they're still not even released they just sort of drag yeah. their asses so i was just thinking you know what does it take for people to do things or what's holding them back is it that they they don't know how to finalize their project you know maybe they've recorded it all and then they go now what i don't really know what to do or just keep putting it off it just never comes mm. out i don't know just yeah people always seem to find a reason not to to do what they've been talking about for so long yeah, yeah, man, I feel yeah, and it's it does get frustrating sometimes to hear, like it's cool going up to someone and going, "Hey, man, what have you been up to?" Man, same old shit, and then they move on. And you're like, "Oh, okay," but if you get the story that goes for three hours and it is the same old shit, you're like, "Dude, like, what are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing?" Because you could do so many other things, even just not music related, with your time than actually producing this one thing and and the way i look at it is that people because albums was such a big deal back with the old way the record industry worked you would wait four years for a band to do a new album because you knew they were touring or you know they wanted to make it perfect or these are the best songs we've ever written but now all these biographies of these famous musicians are coming out you're finding out that they had problems with the record label and they were trying to get out of a contract for three years. Um, their last album was so successful, so they literally have been on tour for two years straight. Or um, or they were like one of the members who was pivotal was massively addicted to drugs and wasn't able... You know, like there's all these reasons that <laughs> yeah. it takes so long. It's not because an album needs to take four years to make. Um, and the, the way I look at it, right, is how long did it take you to write the songs? If it only if you only spent a month or two working on a whole album, but then you spend two years recording it, it seems kind of insane. Yeah. Unless you're like making Dark Side of the Moon or something. <laughs> also, you know, what are your um, thoughts on that shit? Yeah, no, I'm with you all on that. Um, the the other thing is when, uh, like, if we announce a, a tour, for example, and people see you out at a gig or something and they go, oh my God, you've got another tour. You guys are doing so much touring. You're so lucky. I've been wanting to tour with my band for 10 years and we've never got anything. And I think a lot of people just sit back and wait for offers to come in or yeah. you know, just, just wait for something to magically happen. Um, and don't realize that a lot of the time you just have to organize that yourself. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. People don't really realize that you've actually just got to make it happen you know, if you want to play outside of Perth, for example, just email a venue in Sydney and book it and then book your flights and go and do it and come yeah. back and just gradually start building up until, until it's a bit bit more of a thing and you start building a name for yourself and you've got a, a bit of a, a resume built up from there, mm. you know, rather than just sitting at home watching all these other bands get things and you think that they've, you know, they're getting lucky or something like that. But yeah, you just got to make things happen, I guess. Yeah, it's the funny thing about Facebook is that if you're staring at a news feed for a couple of hours every day and you see all these other bands doing things or talking about just wait till tomorrow and we've got the biggest announcement in history <laughs> and then there you find out that they're playing three or four shows in another state or something like that 
you're like, oh, wow, I wonder how they did that. And you're, you're dead right. It's like on this podcast, we'll tell you exactly how we did it. Is mm. Cabba said at um, not even at a band meeting or nothing formal, not even a rehearsal, but just like we're having a barbecue and Cabba goes, hey, guys, um, maybe we should take advantage of a long weekend this year and I'll try and book three shows for us over East. What do you reckon? Everyone sort of tentatively says yes. And Cabot goes about his business talking to bands and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I add to this, um, this whole thing like Claim of Thrones just gets to us because people walk up to me and they're like, hey, you've been announced. You're doing three shows over East. And I go, oh, yeah, 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 we are. Yep, yep. They're like, yeah, cool. How did you hook them up? I don't know. You'd have to ask Cabot actually because... I'm not being cool about it. It's just that, yeah, man, there's so much other stuff going on that my part of it is I just said yes to the dates and then the flights are, hey, are you cool? I'm going to book flights. Is that cool? And I'm like, yes. And Hop on a plane, go there. Yeah. And I'd play some shows as you would in Perth anyway and fly back. Exactly. Yeah. And Perth gigs are often the same, like we're playing this on this date and then I find out like maybe a week before if I'm interested or whatever, whatever, like I find out who the band is and it just, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think some people just put too much emphasis on the location of, of your gig as opposed to like the gig itself. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're playing a gig in your hometown, you get in your car and you drive there. So instead you just go to the airport and fly <laughs> to your show. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I think, yeah, people think it's a lot harder than it actually is. I mean, it's one thing to do big, ginormous tours and festivals and big support slots and stuff. That's different. But just in terms of small local touring, it's not really that hard. Like, even if you're a new band, just have a look what's going on in other states. Find a band that you like, send them an email, ask them for advice, you know, or, you know, ask them if they can put you on one of their gigs in the future if they have anything and put your name out there and... One day you might just get an email back saying, hey, we've got this date coming up if you're interested. And you go, yeah, and you book your flight and you go, I guess you you got the money situation as well, but mm. a couple of hundred bucks to get there and back. Don't, don't do it every weekend, but a couple of times a year. It's not, yeah, not too hard. Yeah, and certain people I don't see for like um, six months at a time, you know, and then it is a big leap between there and again, not being a cool dude about it, but... Just like in six months, a lot happens in your life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, okay, shit. Well, yeah, we're going to, let's say, Malaysia or something. Oh, how did that happen? Well, we got offered one show by someone that one of the members of the band was in contact with in in Asia somewhere. And we thought, well, let's think about this. Can we tack on? Can we find somewhere along the way? Look, generally you have a stopover in KL if you're going to Japan or something. So let's see if we can get a show in KL and just tack on a night there and um, then go to Japan and then, okay, it's, it's this much money for a flight to Korea. Let's just talk to bands over there because make no mistake, when we go to these kind of places, it's not like we're walking out on stage to 9,000 people. It's like um, it's a local show in their area. And we are just from somewhere else. And we get it in Perth a lot where you'll have a, a little mini fest or something and there'll be a band from over over east. Um, recently, Rust in Perth was Miasma. Are they from Northern Territory? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, we've got a Northern Territory band in town 
Um, but still, the show is still the size of a Rust in Perth show, like a, a mini fest. Um, it's not like they come here and like people in Tassie, I, oh, Tassie in Northern Territory, sorry, people in Northern Territory might think, oh, oh, so you're going to Perth? Are you playing to like ten thousand people there? Like it's a, it's a local show when they come here, so it's the same when we go anywhere. The difference is these bands who are getting huge tours with like you know, big established bands in the US and in Europe and the UK and doing doing big package deals and they're, you know, could be club shows of sort of 400 to 800 a night or could be like bigger tours or even bigger festivals and that's a big deal, you know. You score a support with Opeth somewhere, that's amazing. Um, and that's a bit of a luck thing because everyone... Don't you think it's a funny thing when a big band comes to town small bands will just email the promoter of that band. <laughs> but if a, if a smaller band is coming to town um, or, or like, I don't know. Do, do you know what I'm getting at? I can't speak right now. <laughs> uh, well, it's the same know. thing. Like I'm happy, yeah. I'm happy to email Paul Gilbert and say, hey, can you be on my podcast? <laughs> and he'll probably never apply. But if he does, that'd be amazing. But, you know, maybe asking, um, asking a local guy that who's pretty big in the scene that I don't know. Like let's let's pretend like a um, carnival character or something like that. Like mm. I kind of feel like a bit of a weird dude if I was to ask one of those guys <laughs> to come on the podcast. You know? Yeah, yeah, I get. get yeah. I guess with the um, support slots as well, like you said, you know, a big band comes to town and you email the promoter, and the promoter gets hounded with like seventy emails per city mm. of the tour for asking for support slots, but. Majority of the time, they've pretty much already got the support slot teed up before they even announce the tour, mm. and that's based on you know word of mouth and other you know, what they've seen around what what local bands are making a name for themselves that have already stood out without even having to ask for a support slot. Mm. Um, and the way that you do that is by just playing all these any shows like in in different areas of, of Australia or overseas or whatever. Uh, networking, playing with a lot of different bands, your name just starts getting thrown around a little bit. Um, so I think that's the way that, to do it. So if you're just sitting in your bedroom, writing all this awesome music and wondering why you're not getting offered anything, just yeah, do it yourself, make it happen. Yeah, and I find that our albums, every time we do them, step up in, let's say, songwriting quality, I hope. Um, that's my perception of it. So... Like if we were to sit on an album for two years just because we wanted to make everything perfect before we release it, um, then I don't think we'd actually, like we're not writing in the meantime because we know we've got something in the bank or whatever. But if you mm. keep working at stuff and just dealing with it and going, yep, this is a an accurate reflection of my band in this particular year, release and then whatever the organic time frame is to the next album release, then then you're getting better as well. You're probably getting better shows. You're not emailing the Opeth um, tour promoter to give them the same album that you gave them the last time they were in town. Um, you know, I think just things just need to keep rolling. And, and I mean, why why is anyone doing anything? I get bored as all shit when we're doing the same thing over and over again. It's just so boring. Yeah. So, yeah, got to keep it fresh. And I think that that provides you opportunity yep awesome uh give me an album of the week cabba uh the p 
power metal ballads playlist from Spotify. Oh, wow. Because um, we've recently announced the next cruise show in Perth happening on the 28th of April. Tickets on sale next week from com, or probably in the past. Uh, and there, it is a heavy metal formal theme, which means there will be a slow dance competition. So I've been trying to find an appropriate uh, power metal ballad for the slow dance. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I've just been listening to all these ridiculous um, power metal ballads. Cool. Thanks, Spotify. <laughs> Sweet. I actually um, looked at my sort of curated list that um, Apple Music does for me. And yeah, I'm starting to get playlists kind of like you were talking about, like, latest albums in the heavy metal genre for this week, which is yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, my album of the week is not an album, Classic Ash Style. It's a podcast, <laughs> which is that No Guitar Is Safe podcast. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Um, basically this guy, who's quite a, a good guitarist himself, I think he teaches at some college in the US. He gets a sort of awesome guitar player, for instance, Steve Vai on board. Actually, that's not a good example because he doesn't actually, it's not conventional. He gets like Paul Gilbert on and he chats to him for a bit, but they both have guitars. And so they'll just like jam with each other for like a couple of minutes and um, just improv stuff. And then they'll chat and they'll talk about the history of that person as a guitarist. Like, oh, you know, what inspired you? And and Paul will say it was this band. And they go, oh, what about that band? It's like, oh, they taught me that these kind of licks were really cool. Oh, okay, let's jam on that lick for a bit. And they play it. And on another one I listened to, they were talking a lot about um, guitar tones. And the guy had happened to brought his, bring his rig along. So he's like, oh, yeah, this is my clean tone, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. This wah pedal's cool for this kind of sound. And, yeah, it's got like a – it's a really cool approach to a um, – podcast and super informative and sick covers heaps of ground so yeah i definitely gotta check that out before we record next so we can talk about it cool for those of you in podcast land love it i'm gonna have to uh love you and leave you largey me too mate i gotta go thanks for the quick fire chat no worries and uh yeah what should we go out with i don't know you got anything good yeah let's go with um let's go with ain't talking about love by van halen sick thanks we're claim the throne let's talk next time see you mate Be bold, be bold, be bold.
I stood and looked down You know I lost a lot of friends there, baby I got no time to mess around So if you want it, got to bleed 